Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Well, greetings this Lord's Day on this first Sunday of Advent in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. In the coming four weeks leading to Christmas, we will be reminded how that God's people waited for the coming of Christ to save them from the world of sin and death. He was then, and he still is now, the hope of all the world. Can we say thanks be to God? Each week of Advent, we gather, we will be focusing, uh, as we have every year for the last several years, on different aspects of the waiting. This year, our focus in this order will be hope. Everybody say hope. hope. Everybody say faith. faith. Joy. Joy. And love. love. We will look at the life of four of our great patriarchs from the Old Testament and how their lives personified these four great pillars of our holy faith. Each week we will light one of the four candles around the wreath, and on our fourth and final week as we gather, it will be on Christmas Eve. And then we will go ahead and we will light the center candle that represents Christ himself. Today as God calls us to worship, let us hear the words of Psalm 105, where we hear the stories that brought hope to Israel time and again. Time and again they were in bondage, they were in trouble, they were in difficulty, and so when they sang... Psalms like Psalm 105, they remembered how many times that in hopeless situations, God gave them hope. And as we look at Psalm 105, look for the man who we will talk about today. His name is Joseph. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him and sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory be to his name. Let all of the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength and seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he had done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God and his judgments are all in the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever and the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac and he confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Saying unto thee, I will give thee the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few in number, yea, very few and strangers even in that. 
when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he even reproved kings for their namesake, saying, touch not mine anointed and do no harm to my prophets. Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph. Everybody say, even Joseph. He was sold for a servant. His feet were hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all of his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham and he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. The people asked and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and the waters gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river and he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant and he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. And he gave them the lands of the heathen and they inherited the labor of the people that they might observe his statutes and keep his law. Praise ye the Lord. Could you imagine what an exciting song this was for Israel to sing? To sing and to remember year after year, generation after generation, that God always delivered them out of the hands of their enemies and he always did what he said. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have indeed sent hope to us and we are thankful for it. And in these coming weeks of Advent, we will remember how there was a time when hope was only a shadow, but now we live in the light of hope itself. Lord, we pray today as we gather before you, Lord, as we light one of our candles, as we uh, listen to your word, that Lord, you would change us, Lord, and that hope would come to live in our hearts and we would be a light of hope in the world wherever we go, that our good works may glorify our Father which is in heaven. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. standing for just a few more moments I'll read my text for you from Genesis chapter 37 uh, you've already heard it in our reading today but I'm going to uh, sort of narrow down on something in particular from Genesis 37 starting in verse 3 now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shall thou indeed reign over us? They might have even said, Little brother. Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet more for his dreams and for his words. 
And he dreamed yet another dream. And he told it to his brother saying, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars, they made obeisance to me too. And he told it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I, thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you speak to us today from your word, that you would illuminate it, Lord, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that water would pour forth from my soul to this dry ground, Lord, many thirsty people today longing to hear your word, Lord, that it would be as bread to those that are here, that their hearts would be strengthened with hope as we come before you today hearing these great testimonies of your greatness. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. After Adam and Eve fell into sin, the world seemed hopeless. I think trying to even imagine what it would have been like for them is impossible. Could you imagine living in a world of beauty, perfection, loveliness, uh, immortal and all of this that you had before you and God to walk with you in the garden and yet it changed so utterly no one has ever seen this like this I can't imagine Steve living in a world like that and going from the world that was to world that came no other saw the disparity between these two worlds so keenly as these did. And because of them, sin, shame, separation, and worst of all, death slivered into the paradise of Eden and then on into the world. Instead of living forever, now it seemed that they were cursed forever to die, to watch helplessly as the world around them turned into an ugliness that they could never have dreamed. They watched their own son kill their other son. They watched as their other one son Cain goes into the world and begins to live an ungodly life, denying his creator. Horrible. The very first parents had a wayward son, a murderer. But even in the darkness of the day of their curses, God struck the match of hope. Did he not? One day he promised them another would be born from them who would make all these things that had been marred by their sin would make it right. There was hope right there. One day he promised them another would be born. A savior would be born who would crush the head of the serpent that had beguiled Eve. Now we know that they didn't really see that hope come to fruition in Cain and so they waited and God gave them another son named Seth and from Seth from generation to generation when it seemed there was no hope God would then bring hope about but it seemed that soon the world was filled with nothing but violence and death and hopelessness but God kept hope alive through one man named Noah this hope passed through Noah's son to Shem and from generation to generation on to the man that we talked about last week, Abraham, that hope was kept alive. It was something that was a continual story. 
God promised his father of the faithful father of those who would walk by faith and not by sight. He promised him that out of his body a great nation would come. That would be more than the, the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. And that everything that he saw before his eyes, that God was going to give it to him for a possession. Would this be the hope that God had promised Adam and Eve? He wondered. God promised the man who had no country that his offspring would be mighty. That the land that he could see would be his own. He did not live though to see it, this hope. But by God's grace, he was able though to do something very small. You might not think of it this way, but as I began to study this week, it, this small thing became quite a big thing. He was in the land that would later be called the promised land when his wife died. And Abraham went to this Hittite man and he asked him if he could buy a piece of land and the Hittite man said, oh, no, you can have it. And he says, oh, no, you're not giving this to me. I'm buying it. And he buys a piece of land and a little cave is on it. And he buries Sarah in this cave. This burial place was all Abraham and his descendants would ever own of the promised land for 500 years, Steve. God promised him all of the land, but for 500 years, the only land that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would ever own would be this little tiny grave plot in the place called Shechem. On that small tract of land where he buried his beloved was the very beginning of the fruition of God's promise. At the age of 100, when it seemed that there was no hope for this promise to come true, we know that God gave Abraham and Sarah, he gave them a son, Isaac. And then Isaac later, he marries a, a woman named Rebecca. But alas, there is no hope there because what? She is barren and she can't have any children but God answers the prayer of Isaac and she uh, conceives and she has Jacob and Esau wrestling inside of her body we know this whole long story but Jacob the man that wrestled in the womb with his brother would also be a man who did what he wrestled with God and his name would later be called what do we all know his name would be Israel. Now Jacob had 12 sons and one of his sons would personify the power of hope like no other. And that's who we're going to talk about today. His name is Joseph. Nearly 20 chapters of Genesis are dedicated to his story. So I, there's no way, Andy, don't worry about it. There's no way I'm going to lay it all out for you today. In fact, I was telling Andrea, this was working me over heavy. 20 chapters of trying to understand it all was just like, well, ugh, more than I can handle Almost exploded. Joseph had every reason, though, for hope. His life was filled with goodness. He was, as you can read about in Genesis, starting in chapter 30 and continuing on 20 more chapters to 50. He was a very special boy. He was from a large family like many of you. And he had uh, uh, 11 brothers and he had one sister. Her name was Dinah. And he uh, was... <clears throat> Special for reasons why that if you sort of just gloss through the story, you won't remember what makes him so special. Like, why was his father thinking so much of this boy? But you kind of have to go a little back to understand. You see, remember when Jacob fled from his homeland after gaining the blessing of his dying father Isaac through trickery? While in exile, he met a man named Laban, and, uh, which uh, had these daughters. And one of them he loved very, very much. 
And her name was Rachel. She was beautiful and he loved her. His heart ached for her so much that when he went to her father and asked for her hand, he said, you have to work for me for seven years to get this daughter of mine. And you know what he did? He worked. And the Bible said the years seemed short for him because he loved her so much. But we know what happened to him. His trickery came back to bite him. And he woke up in the morning after thinking he had married one woman, you know, those Arabian women covered in these veils. He didn't know who she was. And he woke up and he wasn't with her at all. He was with her older sister. This must have been a pretty alarming and pretty shocking moment for him. I was relieved to read that he only was made to, to wait a week before he actually did get to marry Rachel. But he had to promise to work seven more years. So he worked 14 years, but after seven, he was able to get Rachel. Even after, now he's married, and it wasn't his intention to marry these two sisters. In fact, it's against Levitical law, which hadn't been written yet, to marry two sisters. But he was tricked by this man. And God began to bless him with children, but no children through Rachel. Rachel and Leah both had handmaidens and there were children from Leah, and there were children from Leah's handmaidens, and then there was Rebecca's handmaiden who was having children. All of these were sons, one after the other after the other, but no children at all from his beloved Rachel. Finally, the man... <clears throat> had his prayers answered when Rebecca prayed and asked that, or when <clears throat> Rachel prayed and asked God to open her womb. The scripture says God heard her prayer and opened her womb and gave birth to a son. And guess what his name was, guys? His name's Joseph. It's amazing to me that his specialness isn't just that he's the son of his, the, the, the son of his father's old age, but he's the firstborn son of the woman that he loves. And even though he had all of these others, they were really not what he wanted. He wanted a child from the woman that he loved. Jacob was the son of his father's old age. Jacob loved his son more than the rest and favored him. Wouldn't that be nice? Now, my mom and dad always told me you should never have favorites, okay? It's a bad thing to have favorites among your children. But, you know, when, when you're kind of a favorite, you sort of know it, you know? Uh, I was actually not, I was not my mother's favorite. Uh, but I was my grandfather's uh, favorite. And one time I asked him, I said, you know, why do you, why do you like me so much? And he said, well, how do you feel about me? <laughs> I said, I think you're the greatest. He goes, I think that might have something to do with it. <laughs> but he was his father's favorite and his father doted on him publicly. And so when he goes out, as we read in our text, and he goes out, he's looking for them to be in Dothan, but they're not they're in Shechem, but they're not there. Okay. They're a whole day's journey somewhere else. So they're already in trouble. They're already not where they should be. And these are his uh, half brothers. These are the, the sons of the handmaidens. These are the sons of the wife that he didn't really want to marry. And so they're gathered together. And Joseph, the one who's from the wife that he really wants to marry, the one that he likes the most, the one who's wearing a special coat comes and he's catching them in the middle of doing something wrong, them very, their very selves. Can you see how God created a scenario here? 
The reason why all this bad stuff happened to Joseph was because God wanted it to. God had his father favor him. God had him get a special coat. God had him be this son, not the first son, but the 11th son. And still, he's getting the favor as though he were the first. It would have been hard not to hate him. Could you imagine, oh, he's going to tell on us again. He's going to turn us in to dad. Dad's going to find out we're the disappointments. We're not the one. We're not good as him. This guy... Oh, here he comes. He's dreamed about how he's going to be in charge of us. He's dreamed how he's even going to be in charge of mom and dad. And you might think these guys were bad. But can you imagine, Steve, he's coming. You're out there doing the work and he's at home and he's the messenger who daddy sends to check on you. He's the tattletale. Could you, could you picture this? And so can you imagine these are a bunch of men? These aren't a bunch of sissies. And they're like, let's kill him. Now, cooler heads prevail. Reuben, the older brother, says, no, don't do it. But here he is, he's walking around in the best life he can imagine. Can you even imagine living a life like this? He had a wonderful past, Joseph did. Could you imagine saying, you know, my, my dad was this man. He wrestled with God. An angel touched him and changed the way he walked. Gave my barren mother, you know. Gave my, my grandmother, she was barren and God touched her. God touched, God talked to my, my, you know, my, my great grandfather. He was the friend of God. He told him about Sodom and Gomorrah. He spoke to him. He sent angels. He had a son when he was a hundred. Could you imagine having a history like this to look back on? And great, great grandfather Abraham tells us that he's connected all the way back to the very first man that walked on the earth named Adam and that they've been carrying around a promise. This would have been amazing. Could you imagine walking around with that? We read about his dreams in the text, but much envy came from the less favored, less connected brothers. I think more hope, though, came from these dreams for Joseph. Working in the field with his brothers, gathering sheaves of wheat, all their sheaves stood upright before him. The next dream, the 11 stars the sun and the moon bowing down to him. It even troubled his dad. It was so grand. You know, when God gives you a dream, that dream is always before you. How, how many of you have ever been given a dream by God? Now, you might think this is a funny question to ask. I mean, maybe he doesn't do it to that many people, but do you know he promises in his word to do it? In fact, it's part of the promise of the, of the, the beginning of the church. What did, what did Joel say would happen? What's going to happen, Steve? Uh, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, right? He says it's going to happen. Joel said it was going to happen, and Peter said it was going to happen. And when God puts a dream in your heart, and I, he's given some to me, in fact, in the midst of very hopeless situations when I didn't think there was hope to ever have anything, I remember God giving me dreams. And those dreams sustained me. They sustained our family. Hope can save you. Hope saved Joseph. Not only Joseph, but a whole nation. As high as the hope that filled him in these things, the circumstances that he would face in his life were lower than he could have ever dreamed possible. 
This hope for Joseph and in Joseph made him, though, the envy of his brothers. And so they hated him. You know, your hopefulness about what God is and who he is in you and what he's going to do, do you know that can cause people to hate you? They hate you. Jesus said, don't be surprised when men hate you. They hate me. And so you stand around smug and you're like, you know what? I'm a favored son of God and God's going to do good things for me. And God's going to bring about wonderful things in me. I'm going to help fulfill the promise that God has promised. And people look at you and they're like, oh, really? That's who you think you are? But folks, that's who you are. That's who he was. I read one commentator talking about how conceited that Joseph was and he kind of got what was coming to him. I don't think so. I don't see any, any mention in scripture that he was conceited and filled with pride. It would have been hard not to be, wouldn't it, Andy? To be that favored and have that much going for him and not have pride. But it doesn't say that he did. It sounds to me like a man who knew who he was and knew where he was going. And no matter where he was, he was determined to believe that. That's what faith does. Faith says, you know, I'm in Utah and it didn't work out. You know, I'm in Colorado and it didn't work out. But you know what? What God has for me is that he's called me and I'm his son. It's like the guy, you know, did you guys ever watch the Beyond the Next Mountain movie, The the Rattlers? They told him, they said, you can't go to India. They'll just kill you. They, they kill everybody that goes there. They're headhunters. They're cannibals. And he goes, it doesn't really matter what they do. He goes, it's not up to me what happens when I go. It's up to me to go. And that's what God does. God sends us to places. And when we get there, he doesn't promise that it all work out. In fact, Joseph thought it was all going to work out on the way to Dothan, but it didn't work out for him, but it did work out for God. And in the midst of what happens to him, and we will look briefly at some of it, he kept hope alive in the dreams that he had. God will give you dreams. You can put them before your eyes and you can believe them. And many of the dreams that you can have are just written down in the Bible. They're coming to pass. All of the enemies of Christ will be brought low. Everything will be put in its place under the feet of Christ. See, all that is wonderful about his life became a mirror in the lives of his brothers and they began to despise their own lives. This is what happens to people. When they say good things, you know, when you see something good happening to another and this happens in you, when it makes your life miserable, you're sinning. When you see good happening to others, it should lift your heart. When it causes you to go, you know what? The life I'm living is miserable. Look at their good life. Folks, his brothers, they had a wonderful life. They had the same heritage that he had. They were going to be a part of the same future that he had. But they despised it because they didn't have the coat and they didn't have this and they didn't have that. And their mother was a little bit different. This is what we can do too. God can bless us and we can be a part of it and we can be the part of the story that God uses the way he used those guys. They could not be content with all that they had. In Joseph, all they could see is what they didn't have, what they were afraid he would get over them if he stayed in their family and so they purposed to do away with him. They were overtaken by the sin of covetousness. Andy has been faithful to bring us these questions from the catechism. And covetousness is one of the sins that is 
that is horrible that we mention it and it's like it's almost like you know one of those things oh yeah don't do that covetousness will eat you alive and it did them covetousness looking at others and thinking what they have should be yours their family you know their home their car their life their ministry it should be yours i deserve that they don't deserve that i do that's covetousness that's the root of it is pride his oldest brother Reuben, though, kept them from killing him, and they caught him when he caught up to them near Shechem. While they thought about what to do next, Judah suggested they sell him to the Ishmaelites so at least they would get something. They took his beautiful coat, as we read, that symbolized his father's favor. They smeared it with blood, and they told his father he was killed by a beast. You know, those long hours that he spent in that pit must have been horrible not knowing what was coming next this was a total change of circumstance for joseph here he was favored and all was going well and now he's stripped of his coat he can't even see it it's dark and you know the only thing he could probably see in that pit the bible says it was like a it was like a well but it had no water do you remember me talking earlier about what you can see from the bottom of a well even in the middle of the day did i talk about that in the church the other day do you know if you're in a well in the middle of the day, you can look up and you can see the stars? Something that the ancients discovered. Yeah, right in the middle of the day. And so it made me think that maybe even in that pit, even if it were daytime, he could look up and he could see the stars and they reminded him of the dream that God had given him. And as he was down in that pit, tempted to despair, he thought, well, maybe one day, maybe those stars will indeed bow down. Maybe the sun and the moon will. God gave me that dream. Sometimes in the midst of adversity, only our dreams can keep hope alive. And I pray and I hope that your dreams are the true dreams from God, that one day he will reign as king over the earth, that we are his children, and that we understand that we are his elect people. We know that Joseph is sold to the Ishmaelites in Egypt to a certain man who was the head of Pharaoh's guard, and his name was Potiphar. Everybody say Potiphar. Now, there in the house of this important Egyptian official, God prospers everything Joseph does. The Bible says that Joseph is well-favored. In fact, it's the same word from the way he was in his own home. So what's happening to him in his own home is now happening to him as a slave. And it seems that he wasn't a begrudged slave. He wasn't a bitter, sad, unwilling slave. He was a good one. Could you imagine that? That's your calling, Amy. Be a good slave. You know, St. Patrick... When he was just Patrick and he was a boy, he learned how to be a good slave. And it was the road. It was the ramp to him becoming a servant of all men and bringing people to Christ. And here he was, even in the midst of slavery. Could you, could you say, you know what? Maybe God will call me to slavery one day. Wouldn't that be great? You know? And so as a slave in the house of this great man, he was over everything in his house. And, and it says, and I love this, the poeticness of the story of Genesis says, everything in this man's house and in his field, Joseph was over it all except for the very bread that Potiphar put in his mouth. I mean, does that sort of describe the power of Joseph in the house of Potiphar? Everything that was his was his. And he loved him and he was well favored. And you know, Joseph probably wore great clothes. Right? Kind of like now he's, now he's wearing another coat. He's wearing another coat of favor as he's walking around. He's ruling everything. And the wife gets to looking at him and saying, you know, what a handsome dude. I'd like to have this man. 
It seemed that maybe his dreams might come true in this great house. He's trusted beyond the normal slave. Nothing being withheld from him. Hope must have soared in him during these days until Potiphar began to look at him. And he knew there was some trouble coming. But he knew who he was. He knew what God had in store for him. And this sustained him through the temptation that was about to come. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No one was around to watch what they were doing. But they're like, you know what? We're not going to eat the king's meat. We're not going to drink the king's wine. We're not going to live this way. We're going to do what's right. No matter who's looking. That's the beauty of Joseph. That's what Joseph does. He's like, I'm not doing this. Must have been difficult for him knowing, but knowing who he was, believing God had even better for him, must have given him staying power he needed to resist the woman's advances. No one but God was watching. And he did what was right. You know, someone told me that one time. That's what character is. You kids listening up, you adults look it up, look at me. Character is what you do when no one is watching. Nobody sees what you're doing. Nobody. That's what character is. You either have good character or bad character. And here he was. No one was watching. The woman even took a hold of his garment to force him to stay with her. And you know what he did? He's just like. Ah. And runs out. You know what? Manly men sometimes know when it's time to run. Amen. Anybody who thinks they're above temptation, who puts themselves in the midst of it, is a fool. People make fun of our vice president, Mike Pence, because he says he's not going to be alone with a woman. Except his wife. They make fun of him. They say, what's, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? No, it's what's right with him. He leaves his coat there. He cast off his garment. It's like the garment that was taken from him. Like the coat of many colors, it sort of represented his favor. And now the very favor, the very garment that represented the favor that he had was used against him. Look, he was in here and he tried to get me. She lies on him. It's kind of like the whole thing all over again, right? Here he is. What have I done? What have I done? Oh, you think you're better than us. No, God just gave me these dreams. Shut up. Throw him in the pit. He becomes a slave. Now he's thrown into a deeper pit. Being a slave is one thing. Being a prisoner is another. As a slave, you at least get to go outside and you get to work and you can be trusted. But now he's in a deeper pit than he's ever been. The scriptures tell us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so we know Joseph's heart must have been sick. At this familiar fall from favor into darkness. But even there in the prison, falsely accused God blessed him you know doing wrong and getting in trouble for it is bad you know what's worse doing right and getting in trouble for it i don't know if it's ever happened to you i don't know if you've ever done the right thing if you've ever been the the good and the righteous and as a result of it you've lost your job people have thought horrible of you bad things have happened in your life that can happen that might happen right derek could happen but you know what? God sees. The God who sees us in secret, what does the Bible say he will do? 
He will reward us openly. Nobody was watching, but yet in prison he was faithful to God. Why? Because he believed in the God who had given him the dreams. He believed in the God who had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that they would one day be a mighty nation. It didn't look like it then. In fact, he probably thought, I got all my history. The devil could have been whispering in his ear. You know what? Your brothers are a bunch of heathens. They're liars. They sold you into slavery. They lied to, you, to your dad. Your dad probably died. You're, you're done, man. You're down for the count. Just give up. It doesn't matter how you live in this jail. But Joseph apparently thought it was worth doing good because, folks, to get promoted in a jail takes a lot. And imagine that kind of jail, Steve. Can you just even comprehend? Jail is rough. When I was a reporter, I got to go in jails a lot. When I did inner city ministry in jails, I even got to go into death row. I got to go into maximum security. Those are some scary, horrible, horrible places. But there, he gets set over everything in the entire prison. Everyone, just exactly like what? He's back at home again. He's at the home of Potiphar. And now in jail, he rises to the top. And at the top, you know what we do when we get to the top, when we're sinful? We like to let, make everybody below us feel it. That's our inclination, but not Joseph. Faith is easier in the good times when people expect better of us. But he was thought of as a criminal, an adulterer. But still what? His, it is hope that can save us from despair, that leads us to lives of faith. God will not leave us comfortless. He will come to us. He will not put on us more than we're able to bear. God, the Bible says, that he, with every temptation that comes to us, he will make a way of escape. Just like Joseph, a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. No sin can have dominion over a child of God. He has made us free from it. Even in this prison, serving time for doing what was right and thought evil of by so many, Joseph's hope kept him alive. It kept him doing what was right. It kept him walking by faith and loving others. There God blessed him and gave him favor and prospered him. This might not seem like much, but you might even be in a prison today in, in a sense in your mind. But you know, God even blessed you there. I remember Pastor Nang telling me about them throwing him in prison and he bowed on his knees. You guys remember this story? He got on his knees and he prayed to the people like, oh, it's not so bad here. We get to eat more here than we normally do at home. And he goes, oh, he says, no, I'm not praying because I am afraid or sad. He goes, I'm praying because I'm so happy. God has put me in a place where the people I can tell about Christ have nowhere they can go. <laughs> and they said, oh, this man, he's crazy. He said, so I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ, the God who has all things. Like David said, Lord, you are with me wherever I go. If I go to heaven or even to the grave, as high as I can go or as low, you are where? You are with me. Paul reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not trials, tribulations, no man, no lie. Nothing people think about us. That's not true. Not even the true things that we don't want people to know about us. Those things can't separate us from the love of God. We know the angel of the Lord goes before us preparing the way, knowing this should give us hope in any situation. There in this prison which kept all of Pharaoh's prisoner, God used Joseph's tender care for others to change his circumstances. 
I don't really remembering it like this before. You know, I love it. You know, maybe maybe I have the early onset of not being able to remember anything, but I love reading the Bible and feeling like I'm reading it for the first time. Because I noticed Paul right there in the prison. It was his love of these men that turned the tide. They come in and he sees that they're sad and they're downcast. Even he cares. And he's like, are you okay? Now he's the head of the prisoners and he cares whether some guy in prison is all right. Are you okay? And he's like, oh, I had this horrible dream. And he's like, well, tell me the dream. And then he not only notices they're sad, asks them to tell him the dream, but then he prays and God gives him the interpretation. Folks, that's a lot to do in prison. That's a lot of care and a lot of love. And God put that in his heart. These men were obviously worried about their fates. Joseph could relate. His pain and suffering made him more aware of the suffering of others. Noticing their downcast faces, taking time to listen to them and pray and to help them understand what God was saying to them was a great kindness. There's no one important who was watching Joseph to see his good deeds, but God saw it. How many of you remember what the catechism says? Can you see God? No, but he always... Folks, you know, that should be scary in one sense, but in another sense, it should give you hope. God is watching. God sees how you, how you care for those that God has put in your life. He sees how you pray for the people in your church. He sees how that you work to promote peace among the people of our church and the unity of it, as we said that we will do in our vows. God sees that. God sees how you want so much to do family worship with your children and you want to, 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 to not see children as a burden but a blessing. He sees that you want to raise up glorious seed for the kingdom of God. He knows what you're doing. God sees it. When you're scrubbing out that scorched pan or you're beating the bricks down, you know, with that sledgehammer over there on, is it Maple Avenue? On Elm Avenue? God sees. Michael... I don't know if this happens to you, but I'll be like scrubbing out a pot that one of the kids has scorched, or maybe I did, or whatever. And I'll be there, and I'll be thinking, this is what God is having the man of God do today. Really? You know? And Christy, remember the scraper we talked about? She found this little scraper, you know? We were, we were sharing, you know, a, a moment of, of relating. I have this special scraper that I like to, you know? And, and so, so it's like, this, this, you know, I'm there. Andy, you've got to think this. You're there and you're changing. And you're like, this is what God's man is doing today. And the deal is, oh yeah, that's what God's men do every day. They do the things that don't seem to matter and they end up mattering so much because they do whatever their hand finds to do. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it how? Do it with all your might. And that's what Joseph did. God used the dreams of these men. He told the men the right interpretation of their dreams. And the butler was then restored to the place of Pharaoh's house. I know you know the story. There's no way I could tell this whole story. But even after doing what was right, even after interpreting, the butler forgot about him for two more years, Jeff. Don't you think it was enough? that, that he'd had, Don't you think he'd been there long enough? Folks, do you know this is a story that is 24 years long from the time he's a slave to the time he's sold into slavery to the time he's reunited with his family? 24 years! 
That's amazing to me. Two years after he does what's right by the butler and interprets his dreams, why did God wait two more years? I don't know. Probably because if he was going to lead Egypt, he needed a humble man. Probably because when he was going to see his brothers, he needed two more years to get over the fact that they had sold him, that they had treated him like dirt, that he was falsely accused. Sometimes we spend our lives trying to for the appeal, wanting everyone to know that we didn't do anything wrong. We want everyone to be clear that they've been righteous. That's how we spend our lives. And maybe Joseph needed two more years of that. To finally get to the point that goes, oh God, only you can do this. Kind of like Abraham had, right? I'm a hundred. Okay, God, <laughs> I'm a hundred. I don't even think going into a handmaiden's going to do anything now. I'm a hundred. I don't even think I can. Isaac and Rebecca. Okay, God, we're going to have a nation, but my wife is barren. We can't, we, we can't, we need, we can't do it. Oh, but you can. Here he is. He's at the point two years later. Oh, what, what, what can happen next? And God then, at this time, that God sent the dream. This is what's amazing to me. This is not happenstance. This is God's timing. It was God's timing to make him wait two more years in prison. Could you imagine if your life was summed up like that? Two years in prison was just glossed over. We'd write, a, we'd write three novels about those two years in prison and how bad they were. The Bible glosses over it. Oh yeah, they forgot him for two years. We're like, we suffered. It was bad. I was really righteous and good. It was wonderful. Then God blessed me. No, it just says they forgot about him. But then he forgot how to dream. Two years later. This could have been another temptation to despair. He could have focused on that butler. I can't believe he forgot me. I can't believe he lied to me. I can't believe he didn't do what was right by me. Here I am languishing in this prison, innocent as I was. Pharaoh had two disturbing dreams. He wanted to know what they meant. It was not until then that the butler remembered Joseph and told Pharaoh about him. Now we know what happens. He interprets the dreams. He becomes the leader of all of Egypt. And all of this, I believe, is preparing him for this very moment in his life. What's he going to do? Because I'm telling you, if he does what most of us would have wanted to do then, he would have crushed the very thing that God was wanting to say. Because here come the guilty brothers. He recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. We may have just not said anything. Like, you know what? We're out of corn. Sorry. Corn costs 500 million shekels. Oh, you don't have that. Okay, sorry. He could have gloated. He could have done a million things. He could have said, have these men. I, you know what? I know a really good prison. There's some nice guys over there. Let me introduce you to some of the guys I got to know in prison. He could have done all that, but he didn't. You know what he did? I'll tell you what he did. Genesis 50, near the end of his life, Joseph said, fear not. See, they're terrified. You, you guys probably remember the whole story. There's the going backs and forth and all this stuff, right? But he finally says, he says, they've got the money. They're guilty. They're about to be in prison. Their lives are ruined. They think they're all going to die. And he says, am I not in the place of God? God had put him there, right? He said, as for you, you fought evil against me. He goes, oh, but let me tell you what I know. God meant it for good. To bring it to pass. And as it is this day. To save 
much people alive. Now, therefore, fear you not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and he spake kindly unto them. What would it take for us to be kind like that? You know, sometimes God nurtures hope in the darkness of pain and suffering. Because we're too proud and we want to hold up our light. And God says that light cannot be exalted. You see, the hope wasn't in the favor he earned in his home growing up. It wasn't in the favor he earned at Potiphar's house. It wasn't in the favor he even earned in prison. All of that had to be cast off like a garment. It was only when he trusted in God and saw God's finger at work in his life that he was able to have the right kind of hope. Amen? In Egypt, the children of Israel would become a mighty nation. And before they could inherit the promised land, that they needed to go to Egypt to see their sin and be baptized in the Red Sea and washed from it before they could go to the promised land. In all, as I was telling you before, it was close to 24 years from the time he was sold into slavery at age 17 until he was reunited with his family. Do you know Joseph lived to be 110 years old? 69 more years after all of this. So he lived most of his life as the ruler of Egypt. But he spent a lot of hard years before that. And still Joseph never made it to the promised land. Or did he? I'm going to close with a few things that I discovered that I thought were just incredible. I think you're going to like this, Steve. Remember that small tract of land in Shechem? Where Abraham buried his wife, Sarah? That first small piece of the promised land, he refused to be given, but he wanted to buy it. Well, when Abraham died, they buried him there too with his wife, Sarah. And when Isaac and Rebekah died, you know where they were buried? They were buried in that same cave. <clears throat> Do you remember Jacob when he came to, into Egypt? He tells him, he says, I'll come to Egypt, but I'm old. And he says, and when I'm dead, he said, I don't want to be buried here. He said, will you take me back to that place of Abraham and Isaac where they're buried? Will you put me there? And Do you remember what he promised them? They would. And, and when Jacob dies, what do they do? Joseph goes and he gets permission and he takes and he makes great lamentation over his father and they go to Shechem. <clears throat> Could you imagine a place where Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah are buried? And now Jacob is there. And you know who else, when they die, you know who goes there, Michael? Leah goes there too. The whole family in one incredible place. And the children of Israel become slaves in Egypt. Joseph dies and another king arose who knows not Joseph. But when I read this, it got me excited. Because when Moses and the children of Israel came out, you know what they had with them, carrying with them, besides the pots and pans and gold they plundered from the Egyptians? They carried the bones of Joseph. I love this. And they carried the bones of Joseph all the way to Shechem. And he made it to the promised land. 
That's a long journey to the promised land. But the Bible says God gives us hope that maketh not ashamed. I was excited to learn that 2,000 years ago that Herod went there and found the bones of the patriarchs and he's built a monument. And do you know it's still there with the bones, all of them there in one place, still right now. I can't even believe there's such a place. Man, I want to go there. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their wives, Leah, and Joseph, all in one spot. Wow. That's the promised land. That's their piece of it, and God gave it to them. Amen? One last thing. During that same time that Herod made those monuments, no doubt... There was a boy who was born in the world named Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Who do you think he was named after? Probably named after that great patriarch, right? Who was later changed his name to Israel. But of course, when he was born, nobody really noticed and he really wasn't very important. And probably through his life, Amy, they probably talked about it. You know, you're named after that great. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, you're named after him. And probably through his life, he kind of wondered, would I ever be great? Would anything great ever come from me? And he thought about this. And one day he gave birth to a son and his son was named Joseph. And I bet you when he named his son Joseph, he thought to himself, will he be like Joseph of old? And unbeknownst to this man named Jacob, his son Joseph his life would be turned upside down. He was a good man, but it, it would look as though he had sinned and he had done wrong. And eventually his family would be threatened and he would have to go just like them into Egypt to save his family. And I'm talking to you about Joseph who was married to a girl named Mary. I didn't know that Joseph's dad was named Jacob. I didn't remember that when I'd read the genealogy, but I'll never forget it now. That whole picture relived itself out in the life of Joseph, who was espoused to Mary. But we're in Advent, so we're not going to go on to what comes next. But let us be thankful today for hope. Hope in these great stories. The Bible says God gives them to us to give us hope. Because of the ends of the world have come to bear on us. May we draw from this, this righteousness, this joy, this peace that comes in this filling of the spirit that we get. The spirit of God and the spirit of these men that God has used to make the world a different place. Where God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, fill us with hope today. May we, as we are scrubbing pots and pans and changing diapers and, and trying to teach our children the catechism, Lord, as we're trying to teach them to fear you, Lord, as we pray that you would send them dreams and that those dreams that you give them would inspire them to believe what your word says is true. Lord, that you will... Fill them with the spirit and the vision, Lord, of your kingdom coming. They would see it coming through them. That they by hope would wait for it as our patriarchal fathers did. That we in hope would wait for your kingdom to come 
for your will to be done in us, Lord. Lord, we, may we live lives of hope. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.